Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista, the heart of San Diego, the heart of beer country in San Diego. Three Punk Ales. How about that? D. Smith, what is up? What is up? What is up? Jordan Carruth, just back from wine country. So jealous. Mm. Jordan gets to go up to Sonoma County, drink a lot of really, really good wine. Some of us just, you know, sitting back here, envious of the lifestyle that Jordan is living. So I've thrown out this advice to a couple of people, and I'll just throw out the advice here on the podcast, because I think a couple of people have have actually taken advantage of this. Alaska Airlines right now has a deal for $100 out of San Diego directly into Sonoma, into Santa Rosa, Sonoma. 100 bucks round trip. And as Darren knows, because he is a, uh, he is a pro on this flight, Alaska Airlines allows you to fly home with a case of wine for free. It doesn't count against your uh, check-in or anything like that. They're like, hey, you got wine? Of course you do. You're in Sonoma. Go home with it. Don't even worry about it. Check a case of wine for free flying out of Charles Schultz Airport, which is one of the f- most fun airports that you can find in the country. They've got a great restaurant, great bar. There's a lot of industry people that stop there, so they really up their game. It's not like going to the center bar at like local San Diego Terminal 1, which sucks. It's like going to this real bar with real wine and real food and real chefs and people doing business there. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, it was it was great. I was Terminal 2, cruised right in. My gate was right there through TSA pre-check. I had to walk all the four steps to get to my gate, and then next thing you know, I'm in Sonoma. Fantastic trip. But I am back in San Diego, just months away from San Diego Loyal kicking off. Weeks away from friendlies and and information that's starting to leak out now. Everybody knows what the regular season schedule looks like. That is out for everybody to consume. We have all of their home away matches. I'm sure, Jordan, you have memorized it just like I have. Absolutely. I was ready to go with this weeks ago. Yes, you were. (laughs) You were. I know. Opening up at home against the Las Vegas Lights. And then going to the Tacoma Defiance in the middle of the week. Mm. Back home against Rio Grande Valley Football Club. And then Orange County SC. <laughs> and coming back home and taking on Real Monarchs, who are the defending champs. And then away at Phoenix Rising. A lot of fun. That is good stuff. And Darren, good I don't stuff. think Darren was actually looking at his schedule while he did that. So our listeners not. know. He actually memorized Want me that. to keep going? After Phoenix, they come back home against Austin. Then they travel, they play two away matches at Portland Timbers 2 and at Sacramento Republic. Then they come back home, they take on Colorado Springs Silverbacks, I believe they're called. The Colorado Springs Silverbacks FC. So then that would be back home. And then they travel uh, away, I want to say, to is it away to Tulsa? I for, no, no. Then there's two, t- uh, two stops in Texas. They go to El Paso and San Antonio in some order. Am I supposed to be concerned or impressed right now? This I is There's probably nothing impressive about this whatsoever. Like, I mean, it's I good. That remember. was great. My wife just reminded me that our wedding anniversary is coming up. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, but do you know what the match is on May 12th? But uh, meanwhile, <laughs> I've got uh, 30 matches memorized here for USL for SD Loyal, okay. which is not healthy. No, I, I mean... <laughs> How about the three-day stretch before we get into 4th of July weekend where they're at home and then they try... Oh, man. I mean, two three-day, three-match stretches at home. Finishing four out of five I'm, on the I'm road. about to tell people that we don't really know anything about USL Championship. <laughs> I'm about to tell people that we are not experts on this league, and you should probably not listen to this podcast if you're looking for the huge X's and O's breakdown, club by club, in USL. So we want to learn more about the league, right? Because no one will confuse Darren and I as experts on USL. 
Or, it's, or anything for that matter. Yeah, but definitely not USL. We have a lot of questions, and so what we wanted to do is we wanted to bring on a guest onto the podcast. His name is Jeff Reuter. He is from The Athletic. And what a great idea by us, Darren, to bring on someone who actually knows what they're talking about on this podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we're going to bring on Jeff Reuter from The Athletic to talk about USL and kind of just give us a little bit of a background 101 for those who aren't experts on the league. We bring in Jeff on the pod right now. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. What are we getting ourselves into? Uh, Soccer. You're getting yourselves into professional soccer. Um, It's not. So I I think first off, people will look at the USL and say, okay, it's not major league soccer. And so usually the framing device a lot of people will use coming to the league is minor league baseball, triple A baseball, right? Well, these are still professional players. This is not a league that is like a minor league that directly funnels into major league soccer. It is a true professional league. So even though it's the second division of the pyramid, um, anyone familiar with like England or Mexico or any of these other uh, systems will know that the second division is still a fully functional professional league. Um, so there are a lot of players with MLS experience, with experience in other major leagues across the world. Um, players like Didier Drogba, Joe Cole have played there. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of quality down there. Um, you will usually see uh, a couple types of players. San Diego Loyal has been really good about finding kind of younger players who still have a lot of potential that MLS clubs cast aside. Uh, sometimes you will see kind of these veterans who have been in the league for 10 years. But um, yeah, let's just start off by saying that it is a true professional league and it, it does have some of the more entertaining soccer that the United States has to offer. What are the, generally speaking, there are different clubs here, especially at the USL championship level. There are clubs that are clubs with Major League Soccer attachments. There are other clubs that are totally independent, like SD Loyal. But generally speaking, Jeff, what are the goals of these clubs? I mean, do they, do they exist there just to be exactly what it is that they are? Do they want to be Sacramento Republic or Nashville? Do they want to ascend to Major League Soccer? And you, you've seen the league as well. Mm-hmm. What are the goals of the different clubs that, in your experience? Well, there's 35 different clubs. So they don't really have a shared goal, um, which has uh, at some times really held the league back from truly establishing itself and at other times has really pushed it forward in ways that are long overdue. Um, I, I think that the, the, the best way to put it, if you're looking at SD Loyal, you're probably hoping for uh, Sacramento without the MLS carrot. Uh, Sacramento was actually like the first uh, U.S. soccer club in the lower divisions to truly make national headlines just with the, the, the fan support that they had when they were first launched by Joe Wagner um, and uh, Warren Smith, who obviously you're familiar with with SD. Uh, you'll have, um, you know, rabid fan support, uh, iconic crest, uh, really impressive personnel working at the club. Um, MLS expansion is taking a break right now. All 30 slots that the current commissioner, Don Garber, has uh, claimed to want to fill have been filled. Uh, I'm sure that they'll start it back up like every league does uh, in 10 years or whatever when they need to get new excitement. But um, So with that in mind, what these independent clubs are doing is, first, they want to really engage with the community. The, the best independent clubs that aren't MLS affiliates do a really good job of being like uh, just kind of a cultural darling within their cities. You look at Louisville City, who uh, they, they have no MLS aspiration with that club, but they're, they built a brand-new stadium, like a $90 million stadium, just for that club after four years of playing in a baseball field and winning two USL titles. Um, that purple uh, color scheme that they have really resonates with the city. Uh, I was just there for the championship game a couple months ago, uh, and there's a lot of just kind of purple imagery 
um, with the Louisville City brand on it, just by like random restaurants or bars or whatever. Like that's pretty cool. Um, so they'll they'll do a really good job of that. I can name about ten clubs that do that pretty well. The other part that's really new is they're trying to develop young players who aren't getting a look at the MLS level and be able to sell them on. Uh, we aren't talking like crazy money uh, for these transfer fees. Uh, so soccer operates with transfer fees as the predominant way for player movement uh, instead of trades, especially if you look le- going from one league to another. Um, but you are looking at five, six-figure transfer fees uh, to MLS clubs already right now, and those should grow over time as more and more clubs join this market. So uh, that is kind of a, a secondary um, initiative for these clubs, and I think that uh, every MLS club will come in with an interest of what SD Oil has to offer because of Landon Donovan's presence. Um, and a couple of the players that they have signed in that they will still announce um, that they're sitting on who should be pretty uh, pretty interesting to the national spotlight. You know, it's interesting, Jeff, because you talk about Landon here, and, and you know, we've gotten so used to Landon just being part of the fabric of the community, not just the soccer community, but the local community as a whole. You wrote at The Athletic about Tim Howard. Tim Howard is involved with this league. I mentioned Eric Winalda. In some particular order, these are three of the top five or seven most important players ever for the U.S. men's national team. David Villa is involved with it. Didier Jog, but what is it about this league that seems to attract some of the biggest names in the sport? Uh, it's a really good question. I, I think that there's a, a couple of things, having spoken with Landon and Tim about it recently. Um, I, I think one part of it is that MLS has such strict rosters that you or strict roster rules that you have to maneuver within. Like you have to fit in the salary cap. You, you have only so many designated player spots. Uh, which means that your wage budgets really beholden to those guys. Uh, USL is just a clean slate. Like you can do whatever you want to. If you have an owner who suddenly is like, let's spend millions of dollars on our budget, like one club in the past did, uh, you can spend that money uh, and you're going to run laps around most of your opponents. But uh, you could do that. Most clubs operate a little bit more fiscally responsibly, um, but you do have that freedom. There aren't the strict rules that you have to work within, so you can get more creative about incorporating an academy, uh, signing a guy from one club to another, making a trade, all this stuff. Like You really have a full playground to work with, which means if you want to move outside of the United States, that's a skill set that you're going to want. Right. Uh, second, I think, is that it's more grassroots. Um, so, like again, that whole thing I was saying about the community aspect of it, there's just less pressure but you're not necessarily coming at it from a standpoint where uh you have to make the playoffs and if you don't the whole year was a bust um you can still have a successful year by finishing 10th in your conference or 14th in your conference if you're able to sell tickets if you're able to sell jerseys if you're able to really engage with the fans keep some groundswell going get some positive momentum and then you move on from there all of that stuff is really positive um but i think overall it's just yeah the freedom of it is just so huge um and you're not in the national spotlight every day so for them, especially if you're looking at Landon and Tim, they're superstars from on the field, but they have no experience uh, at the general manager level or at the coach level in Landon's case as well. So now they're able to kind of take their lumps away from nationally televised games every week. Uh, they're able to really kind of harness their ability, and then if they do decide that they want to move on, they now have experience in a second division league, which is a pretty good standard overall. Um and they're able to kind of flex those jobs and see where they're able to take them. All right, Jeff, so with all that said, where do you think this league uh, is headed? Like, what, what does this league look like in 10 or 15 years from now? Uh, I, I think this league is still operational in 10 or 15 years, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is more than you can usually say in the past about the, the United States lower divisions of soccer. Uh, in, in the past, there has been a lot of folding. There was another league that was ahead of the USL as recently as four years ago called the North American Soccer League. That ended up just straight up holding after the San Francisco Deltas won the final championship. Um, 
I think it's going to be operational. I think that they're working to get some promotion and relegation, uh, which are two kind of naughty words in the soccer community in America, but hey, I'm not afraid of them. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they're working to implement that between the second division and the third division, League One. Um, so I think that kicks off probably within three to five years, if I'm guessing. I would imagine that they're going to try to cap the championship at 40, uh, which means that there might be a few more expansion markets coming in. Um, so they're looking at kind of that mid-level market, uh, like I guess Fresno was uh, before that owner ultimately ended up started closing down shop ahead of the season. Um, I, I think that if they are able to sell more young players, if they can get their academy system right, I think they have a lot of potential for these markets like San Diego that aren't right next door to an MLS club, or you're looking at like a Louisville, you're looking at Birmingham, Alabama, you're looking at El Paso, Texas, and really able to get more of those youth communities developed and tapping into some, some really talented young players who just don't hit the MLS spotlight. Um, but I don't think it's going to overtake MLS, right? I don't think it's ever going to be the biggest soccer league in the United States. I don't think it's going to have a huge national following. It is always going to be kind of a soccer nerds league, uh, just in terms of the league-wide level. Right now, I'm the only national USL reporter uh, for any publication. So, uh, you know, you're, you're really coming at it with a lot of uh, <laughs> a wide open space from my role, too. I don't know how much that will change. And selfishly, I kind of hope I stay in this role. But I do imagine that there will be bigger interest beyond just the local market to market. Um, I think the league will still be around, like I said. And, um, yeah, I think overall, as long as it keeps that we are uh, clubs beholden to our market rather than we are markets that fit into it like a franchise model. As long as they keep that ethos, I think that they have a lot of potential. What is the significance of the newest ESPN television distribution contract? Because I know if you're going to put it up against, let's just say, you know, SEC football or the NFL, people in mainstream are going to go, well, that doesn't seem like a lot. But it certainly it felt significant that the USL had signed a distribution deal with ESPN. Yeah, and it's the, the first of its kind in the sense that a second division league or third division league in the past has been able to get um, actual money, tangible money. So this is seven figures, and it's like a million. So when I say seven figures, it's not like nine point five million. Like you really are talking about the bottom of that, but it is still seven figures. It is still being able to say we have a million dollar TV contract per year. That is actual revenue that's coming in spread across the clubs that are on national TV, and it's able to give them some supplemental income on top of whatever each club is able to do. So there's some revenue sharing, which is big. It also does establish that, okay, in three years, when this is done after 2022, we're renegotiating for a higher number instead of just trying to get a TV contract, which no club was really able to do in the past. So it does set it off on the right course. It does firm up that relationship that they already had uh, with ESPN because they were streaming all their games through ESPN+. Plus. Um, but I, I do think it sets it on the right way where, again, if they're able to get that promotion relegation system, they have every reason to think that they could draw – even five times as much with the next TV deal or much more because there should be that appetite for that from the uh, American soccer fans. So um, the deal is huge because it also gets them on once a week, and sometimes it's a Wednesday, sometimes it's a Saturday. Like you said, they're going against SEC football towards the playoff push, but um, it still is a step in the right direction, making a mistake. So what, what would be your advice for uh, new supporters of SD Loyal here? What are, the, uh, what are the best and worst stops? If you're thinking about planning an away trip, you're going to go someplace else. I mean, <laughs> Vegas is right around the corner. But uh, from your experience here, from what you've heard around the league, what are, the, uh, what are the, the peach spots to go and visit, and what are the spots to avoid if you can? Oh, man. So there's, there are spots to avoid. Um, I, I will say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to get you in any trouble here, but, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. you could just say it's a sliding scale. How about that? 
<laughs> okay, let's say sliding scale. Yeah, that's good. So it's a power ranking yeah, where even last perfect. place is still good. Great. All right. <laughs> yeah, they're um, still powerful. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, there are a lot of players that will talk about, like, there are away days that we look forward to going to because we know after the game we're going to be able to find a good place for the team to just kind of uh, decompress. MLS, everyone's super serious. They all go home, whatever. They want to get into their ice baths. USL players will still go out for a beer. So that's another way to kind of illustrate the difference between the two. Um, man, I mean, it really depends on, like, uh, if you're looking for food, if you're looking for stadium atmosphere. Um, I guess just the, the short of it is any team that plays in a baseball stadium with one or two notable exceptions is going to be a worse game day atmosphere than any place that is a soccer-specific stadium. And I think that's just kind of a given. Uh, sight lines in baseball stadiums are usually a nightmare. A lot of baseball stadiums now also have that protected netting, which makes it a little bit harder to see a soccer game. Um, and if it's on the other side, if it's in the outfield and you're sitting on the infield side, like you're, you're going to have to bring your binoculars just to see the near end line, much less the far side. So um, New Mexico has a tremendous fan support. They led the league in attendance last year. Um, that would actually be a really good example in the best case scenario for San Diego. San Diego, if you're just looking for an away day. Um, El Paso is another one that does it really well. In my opinion, they play one of the more attractive styles of soccer of any team in the league. Uh, it's a league that very much just kind of defend, 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 play on the counter, and you have a bunch of sprinters sitting in the attacking third uh, who try to run on the ball. Uh, El Paso tries to control the game. They have a, a lot of really confident veteran midfielders who set the tempo, and it's it, it's very, uh, very easy on the eyes. So I would recommend them as well. Um, if you're looking for who not to, uh, I mean, MLS two teams except for Real Monarchs, any affiliate is usually going to be much more of a developmental team. So like LA Galaxy 2, uh, Los Dos, as they're called. Um, that's a team that's purely about getting their academy kids and homegrown signings, minutes, um, and they're usually just kind of forgotten for a few years. And I think that if you talk to a couple of the former Galaxy guys who've already signed for Loyal, they'll probably say the same thing. Um, so if you're looking for like a, a really competitive game, Real Monarchs would be a really good one. I would highly recommend that. Um, uh, New Mexico, El Paso, and then, I mean, it just really depends on, like, how much, what kind of food you like. Like, if you like barbecue, you're going to hit up San Antonio before <laughs> you're going to hit up. Um, there really isn't a team in the Midwest anymore, is there? Uh, and I'm based out of Minneapolis, so I'm kind of salty about that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I think that there's a um, – the, the West tends to be, I'll also say this, a more competitive conference in the East. The East is top-heavy. They have about five or six teams that are very good. And then a lot of teams that are really happy if they can make the playoffs. Um, the West last year had 12 teams going for uh, 10 spots in the playoffs, and re- realistically, eight of those that mattered. So um, I-, I think if you're looking for competitive games, look at the table last year, and most of those teams are still going to be a really good spot. And just uh, Phoenix Rising, obviously, is going to be a fantastic spot. And real quick, because you mentioned the playoffs there, just so I understand the structure, top six automatically get in, and then seven, eight, nine, ten. There's there's play in to figure out the last two permanent spots, or how does it work? Yeah, it, it, they changed it, and it, it's I mean kind of dumb. But uh, <laughs> what it is now is uh, yeah, top six automatically get I guess a bye. They avoid the play in round. Um, so teams one, two, three, four will automatically host the playoff game in the next round. Uh, five, six will play against four, three, respectively. And then as far as who plays the second seed and the first seed, it's the winner of seven, ten, and then eight, nine. Um, so those games are actually pretty fun uh, because you do have potential then to knock off one of the two teams in the conference if you're able to get through that first one. And also it weirdly means that 
teams that finish seventh and eighth will get a home playoff game to bring in some extra revenue, whereas teams that finish fifth and sixth in the conference don't. So in some ways, it's almost better to play for seven, eight if you're looking for your financial bottom line uh, than to finish like six points higher in the table, um, which is super weird. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how the playoffs work. All right. So speaking of the playoffs, you've seen a couple of the roster moves for SD Loyal as they get ready to go. How yep. competitive do you expect them to be this year? Uh, I, 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 knowing Landon Donovan, I can't imagine he's going to be happy with a year just to like, you know, finish last, but really get some fan support going. So he's, he's, <laughs> he's going to be going to win. Um, I, they did sign, I think they made one of the best signings of the offseason in the USL by bringing in Joe Greenspan. He's a guy I've rated for a long time, uh, played for the Colorado Rapids and Minnesota United in MLS, won uh, USL Defender of the Year last year uh, with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. He'll come in. He's immediately going to be a six foot five anchor. Um, in the back line, that's going to be huge to set up the defensive shape, especially when, again, your attacker or your head coach was a former attacker. Um, and, and as much as you, you'd like to think that coaches are able to balance, you're either an attacking coach, a possession coach, or a defensive coach. Um, so I think that having that sort of a defender will really help. Uh, there's a couple of the attackers that I think have a really good chance of being able to, to step up. Um, I mean, it's an incomplete roster, though, right? Like, Salviza is going to do a really good job of shoring up the defense. Raul Mendiola, I think, has a lot of potential. I think that he can be uh, really good in the midfield to be able to kind of force some attacking uh, thrust, and he'll be familiar with Landon from their days in Los Angeles, briefly overlapping. Um, but overall, they have a lot of work to do. I mean, they, they have, I think, like 10, 11 players on the roster, and you're going to need like 25. Um, so at this point, I have San Diego outside of the playoffs, um, but part of that is just because they're incomplete, whereas a lot of other teams are bringing back 14, 15, 16 guys, and I've already added four more, so I just have a better sense of what they've got. Jeff, this has been great. This has been everything that we thought it would be when we asked you to come on. Uh, we thank you for all the information. Again, I've learned a lot just reading what you're writing at The Athletic. As you said, you're the only person who, who seems to be writing about the USL on a regular basis. So it's been super helpful and educational for those of us who, you know, we like soccer. We know soccer, but we don't really know a ton about the inner workings of the league. Thank you for, uh, for all you've done at The Athletic and, and for uh, appearing here with us today. We thank you so much, and we'll do it again. Yeah, it means a lot, guys. Seriously, anytime. Just hit me up. Really good stuff from Jeff Reuter of The Athletic. We obviously recommend going to follow him on Twitter and checking out his work on The Athletic if you already subscribe to that website for just being a baseball fan, football fan, whatever. I subscribe. I know Darren subscribes as well. It's easy to find that info. So we do recommend it. Jeff Reuter, really, really well done. And uh, I'm glad he came on the podcast to make us sound smart. Absolutely. And as he said, he is the lone person doing this on a regular full-time basis. So I think that that's really, really helpful and super important. Again, and I think it's so interesting, too, when you think about this league, because this week, and we'll talk about Chicharito going to the Galaxy here momentarily, give you a couple quick thoughts on that. But it's just so interesting to me that Tim Howard, Eric Winalda, Landon Donovan, David Villa, like these are these are really, really big names, not just in the United States. David Villa might be the best striker in the history of Spanish football. And these are names now that are attached to this league. So I know the league has got some some you know uh, some feeder system quality to it. And then there's the independent clubs like SD Loyal, but you know, there's so much opportunity there. It feels like SD Loyal, like USL in San Diego is hitting at the right time as this league is on the upswing. Mm-hmm. Whether that's money from ESPN or whether that's the quality of the people involved with the league, it really does feel like we're catching the USL on the upswing. For me, from where I sit, I certainly hope so. So I thought he had a lot of really good lines, a lot of really good points, and he was very informative. 
uh, when giving us the answers. I thought the best line he had was the fact that USL players will go out for a beer with you after a match. Nice. That is a great selling point for this league. Looking Me- forward to that. MLS players just go back to an ice bath and then go home. <laughs> Boring. These players here in San Diego apparently will go out for a few pints after the match. So that is a great selling point. This is grassroots stuff. I mean, this is, this is what supporting a local club is all about. Also, he said San Diego Loyal had one of the best signings in the entire league this offseason, so I think that's good news. However, Darren, he did say SD Loyal, his prediction as it stands now, and most of this is just because he's never seen this club play a match, outside looking in on the playoffs. Sure, yeah. I so mean, the pressure's on, clearly. There's a, there's a lot to, to, to handle. If you are starting a club here and you're doing it with your foot on the accelerator and the vehicle is just careening down the freeway a million miles per hour, you're trying to build a roster, you have a first-year manager, you're paying attention to so much other stuff going on. So I don't, I don't know that I, I feel I, that, that sounds like somebody who's got experience in the league who's saying, hey, listen, logically, it could totally turn around. I might be 100% wrong. Some first-year clubs have done pretty well at the USL level, but yeah, they're they're just dealing with a lot. So I think to me, it's just more important get this thing up and running, see what it looks like on March seventh, and then see what it looks like again towards the end of uh, middle of October. Yeah. Plus, the West is loaded, as he says. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the West, so mm-hmm. it's a compet- It's very competitive on that side. Also, had you asked me before that interview, Darren, had you asked, all right, Jordan, what is the playoff structure for USL? How many teams automatically get in? What's the play-in structure? I would not have been able to answer that question. I would not have been able to tell you. So I'm really glad we. Uh, that you asked that question. So top six automatically get the spots. You got play in seven v ten, eight v nine. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, I do. I, I again, I, as I've started to to just learn a little bit about it. Yeah, you know, again, he said it's sort of silly what they're doing, but it could also be beneficial because you get extra home matches out of it. All right. So I do want to talk about Chicharito going to LA, but before I do, before we we dive into that, what is what is something that Landon Donovan has that Jurgen Klinsmann does not? Coaching certificates. That is correct. All right, let's move on to Chicharito going to the LA Galaxy. Wow, wow! I had a couple. This this reaction is not the reaction I expected, but one of the first responses I saw from a friend, and this is someone who just started getting into the sport, right? Just started watching Major League Soccer, just started going to matches within the last year or so. The question that was texted to me was, "When did the Galaxy become so good that they could sign such big players?" I thought LAFC only did this kind of stuff. Wow. <laughs> Well, like that, I'm, I'm surprised that's the response because it's Galaxy, been around five years for Galaxy fans. I, they've been doing this for a long time. I mean, this is kind of what the Galaxy do, right? And it was kind of hinted on, hinted at in that interview. Like, if there's ever a panic moment with the Galaxy, they go out, they they flex a little bit of muscle, they splash the cash, and they go out and get a guy like Chicharito, for example, which is an amazing signing. And I'm so happy that layer has been added to El Tráfico and just Southern California soccer as a whole. I love it because you and I both have plenty of friends who support the Mexican national team Mm -hmm. and they might have even if they lived here in San Diego, let's say that they were in uh, regulars at 32-52, right? They didn't go to a bunch of LAFC matches, but they certainly appreciated the way LAFC went about building a culture and building a supporter base. We have friends who are like, yep, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going back to the Galaxy. Chicharito's going to the Galaxy. Javier Hernandez is going. That's where I'm going to go as well. They've really now, they're going to test this. This is going to be an interesting test case, I think, for the league to see how people are, how their loyalties line up in Los Angeles. Because LAFC has done a masterful job of appealing to a, a, a wide range of of supporters, but particularly the Mexican-American, the L3 supporter. And now that person finds himself like, oh, damn, Like our best and most popular player is playing for our arch rival. So this is going to be fascinating to see 
how that 3252 crowd and how that culture that LAFC so masterfully built how they deal with this situation. Do they immediately go, hey, to hell with Chicharito. We'll support him when he puts on the Mexican unif- uh, kit, but we're not uh, sorry. Like, you're, you're, I, I think this is just, it's, it's a brilliant move by LA Galaxy. He becomes maybe the most important player in the history of the league. Not the best. He becomes maybe the most important player in the history of the league. I think Ibra would be the best. You know, I, I'm sure that that's debatable. That's a debatable, debatable point, but just in terms of like sheer global skill recognition, Zlatan, probably the best. But still, I Chicharito is such a popular player in the United States, in Mexico. I like this is just a brilliant signing that they finally it's not official no. as of the time of this recording, but man, like he is he's he's can you think of a more important signing in the history of the league than this guy? What do I say Beckham? Maybe Beckham. Maybe because Beckham. the league was close to folding and they needed a David Beckham to come through the door. You could easily argue Beckham. You could argue Beckham. I'm sure Landon with all respect towards Landon that he stayed and stayed home and one with the LA Galaxy was super significant and important, but man, I can't think of a, a more more Maybe Frank Lampard. More popular Yeah, maybe maybe uh Pirlo. Maybe I can't think of a more important and impactful signing than this guy. This is the guy that the league has wanted forever, and they finally got him. Okay, so I'm really glad you finished with that because great timing for LA Galaxy. This is the guy LFC, LAFC wanted to open up with. Mm-hmm. This is the player they wanted, right? Do, am I? Do I not remember this correctly? Like, didn't they really want Chicharito to be the face and the the opening press conference, the face of a brand new club in LA? And the timing wasn't right. Like he wasn't ready to come to Major League Soccer. Right. He wasn't ready to return to Southern California quite yet. Now that timing is a little bit. It, it's right. Maybe it's a little bit sooner than he wanted. It seems like it is a little bit sooner, but it's close enough. And he's going to come to Southern California. He'll sign with the Galaxy. This is the player LAFC wanted years ago. But the timing wasn't right. It's right for LA Galaxy. And it is an incredible layer. It adds to the rivalry. One of my favorite moments just watching soccer in San Diego is watching Mexico play. I believe it was against Chile. Chile, right. At SD. It was Qualcomm at the time. And it was Chicharito's birthday. And I believe he scored. And we went down for the post-match stuff. And we it was the whole thing. Birthday party. We did a podcast on it. It was like our most downloaded podcast ever because we pretended we were at Chicharito's birthday party. It was fantastic. It was a great time. And I love that he's back in Southern California. And I love that when we go up to watch El Trafico, we're going to have this player on the field to watch. Has there ever been, and the U.S. fans won't like this, but you come here for truth because we're serious journalists. Correct. Has there ever been a more popular player in the United States than Chicharito? Ugh. I'm sorry. Again, I, I mean, I know we probably could say Landon has got to be on that list or Clint Dempsey or, or Tim Howard. I mean, I, I suppose there's an argument to be made, but just in terms of like total shirt sales, like who sold more shirts in the United States than Chicharito? I don't I know. I probably should have looked this up before I just started spitting it out of my lips, but I, I don't I'm, I'd be willing to bet that Chicharito sold more shorts in the United States than any player ever. Yeah. He's incredibly popular. I mean, I've seen people start to like, ah, this is this is okay. Like, no, this is a big deal. Yeah, this is a deal. huge deal. Very big deal. Yeah. Um, Good for them again. And it just it adds another layer and another dimension to El Trafico that I I I can't wait to see what that looks like because I couldn't even guess. Yeah. It's gonna be great. I can't wait to go to those matches. And I think you're right. I think if you hooked everybody at LAFC up to a lie detector test and said, All right, who would you really rather have had? They wanted Vela's been fantastic, league MVP. Mm-hmm. They'd still probably tell you Chicharito. Yeah. Of course. 
And that's not a, I mean, it's probably the right answer. Mm -hmm. It's probably the right answer. No, um, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Since we last recorded, Darren, we got a couple notes to finish the <laughs> podcast with. Barcelona have hired a manager. Say what? And it's not Poch. What's up with that? Uh, well, I don't know that it was going to be Poch. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow it that closely. I think it's more significant that it's not Xavi Hernandez, who is one of their iconic players and maybe the best Spanish player ever. But that it wasn't him because the timing wasn't right, which as a Barca supporter, I'm good with. I'm good with that. I didn't think throwing him into the deep end of the pool at this time was the right move. That made me very uncomfortable. It wasn't like you guys with Lampard where you say, okay, bring him in to start. And so we're dealing with the transfer ban. Mm -hmm. you know, we can we can do it. It still makes you a little uncomfortable when club legends come in and start managing the club. Like, you're like ah, gosh, what if we end up having to hate this guy? Lampard had some training wheels. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I thought, number one, uh, it was humiliating. It was just embarrassing the way Barca carried on with Ernesto Valverde. That was really, really shameful what they did to him. I know he wasn't the perfect manager, but he certainly, he wasn't somebody who was, you know, th this wasn't calamitous, his tenure there. It was, you know, losing at Anfield and, and blowing the lead that they blew in back-to-back -back Champions League seasons and then following it up by losing in the Copa del Rey final. But they should have done it then. And I said it here and I've said it elsewhere, they should have done it then. Doing it mid-season, exactly at the halfway point when you're sitting top of the table, following a loss in the Spanish Super Cup, following a draw against your crosstown rivals, bottom of the table, Espanol. The writing was on the wall, but still, Barca totally botched this. They, they just mishandled it. They're out there searching for Xavi Hernandez and Ronald Koeman, and, and they still had this guy signed. They allowed him to train the club when the club came back from Saudi Arabia. So, like, it just, you know, it's not the way you should do your business. It's just, and I think Barca deserves a lot of the criticism that it's getting here. As far as who they hired now with Kike Setien, uh, I know not a popular name, probably not a name, Jordan. I'm guessing most of our listeners or you or, or you know, you have to have followed Spanish football over the years to know Kike Setien stood out to me. He was literally on a farm in northwest Spain with some cows when Barca called him and said, hey, how'd you like to be the manager? He has no big club experience. He finished sixth and tenth at Real Betis. He is a, a very much a Johan Cruyff type disciple, which is what Barca is. Barca is about winning results, trophies, but Barca is also about tactical identity. As a matter of fact, a lot of people would lose playing 4-3-3 football than win playing 4-4-2. I know that sounds funny, but it's just the way it is. It's just the way Barca fans operate. So, you know, there's a strong pull and desire to see a particular style of football, and that's what Kiki said the end brings. Now, whether or not he can manifest that and turn that into wins, well, we'll see. They play Granada coming up on Sunday, his first match. We'll see at Serrano's, 12 noon. There it is. All right. to watch the so NFL. Barca finally have a new manager. I feel like that storyline had just been going on for so long. The yeah. questions had been around. Barcelona and their manager. Still for, should have handled that much better. For a long, long time. Um, and, you know, Valverde leaves with two league titles and a Copa del Rey Cup. Do you want to know the latest with Christian Pulisic and his injury? I do. Because he hasn't played since New Year's Day. He is dealing with an adductor injury, Darren. Okay. Point, that, to, point to the part of your body where that is. Um, I'm going to point to my groin right now. <laughs> I'm asking, is that where the injury is? Correct. <laughs> Did you know that? Is that why you asked me to do it? I, no, it's, I did not. Are we playing a, the circle game? It's a, it's a groin strain, technically. Okay. At least that's what I think it is. Everyone's pretending to be a doctor on like their reports and social media. They're like, it's an adductor injury. But based on my really good WebMD analysis, that's just like a it's a groin injury, which isn't good. I'm just saying call it a call it a strained groin. I at least know what that is. I don't know what an adductor injury is. Anyway, he's still a few weeks away. He's not going to play against Newcastle. Hmm. Okay, well, good luck this that? weekend. Yeah, Chelsea Lip. right now, fourth place, Darren. Still good. Fourth place. Five, four clear? Five clear of United. United-Liverpool uh, this weekend? 
We have 16 matches to go. We're a little bit more than halfway through the season. United-Liverpool this weekend, by the way. How about Our mate that? Nate allegedly going to this match. Really? Mm-hmm. Does he have tickets? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think he has I the answer to that. I know he was stressing about tickets before he got on the plane, I so remember, I don't know how that worked out. Yeah, but I remember he's, he's flying a long way to not go to a match, so Nate, get it done. Yeah, he kind of had like the, he, he kind of went ghost white when we asked him if he actually had tickets to the match. He's like, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll figure that out. But it's Nate. He's going to figure it out. He'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll... I have faith in Nate. Yeah, he's gonna he's going all the way to Anfield for the first time, right? He's yeah. making his pilgrimage. Yeah. So what's he gonna do? Go all the way there for Liverpool United and go stand outside of the building? Maybe if he doesn't Maybe. get tickets. I, I mean, that could be an experience in and of itself as well. Nate Nate creates his own fun. He marches to the beat of his own drum. That yeah. cat. Absolutely. Um, on our way out. Speaking of Liverpool, I saw San Diego Liverpool, the uh, the group here in town that. You should follow on Twitter and on Instagram and all the fun places. They put out a list of different towns in San Diego, just different communities, and what those communities, uh, which club they would be in the Prem. So North Park, for example, was given Tottenham, according to according to San Diego's Liverpool supporters. And the reason they said that it's it's hold on, I got to get this right. It I don't a, really, I didn't understand that. I saw it, I took a quick look at it, and then had to get in the car and come to work. They today. say Spurs are North Park because they're essentially located in the capital. But they've been up and coming for forty years in a row. Wow. Okay. You're from North. You probably don't love that one. I don't. Okay. Well, but I get it. I mean, we've still got a ways to go. Uh, Liverpool we're, is we're Pacific Beach. Yet. We're not ready to hoist a trophy. So. Yeah, Liverpool Pacific Beach holding on to memories from three years ago is how they said it. But I don't know. <laughs> they, they seem to be creating more memories. North Park gets Spurs. Little Italy is Manchester City. I don't have explanations, nor did I come up with these. I didn't these. get that either. Little Italy is very posh. Everything I've heard about Manchester is it's very blue collar. That's what I thought. And United gets La Jolla. And now I think Again, their argument was like a lot of old money, like Manchester know. United, a lot of old money in La Jolla. But I like that they put Palace and Barrio Logan. I thought that was a good comp. Although I think people like going to Barrio Logan. Everything I've ever heard about Palace and Selhurst Park is people don't really like going there. No. I went to White Hart Lane once. I'm like, I don't even like being here, this part of London. I had to go to West London. Which, by the way, Chelsea is given Mission Hills, which I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, was, I thought they and would go really like nothing to La Jolla Mission Hills. or Del Mar or something. That's what I thought. Mission Hills Chelsea is very, very blah. Let's just really? Chelsea. Come on, blah. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand. If anyone's been to Manchester, I don't know how Manchester clubs are given La Jolla and Little Italy. Yeah, I would well, I would think more... Where, where's the blue... I would think more like Mira Mesa. Mira Mesa? Wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess. Mira Mesa, not on the list. Claremont made the list. Everton is Claremont. Because they're like on the outside of PB and they're pretty close, but no one compares the two. Yeah. It was a shot at Everton, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I need to do some reading Santee up about the made the list. Which okay. I'm just good on the person who made the list to remember that Santee is actually part of this. Um, Santee is Wolves. Okay. No right. idea why. But we'll get to the bottom of this. If you have some better... I think I want to make a, I want to make my own version of that list, and we'll break it down. All right. But North Park. Tottenham. We've, we've still got work to do. I, I would agree with that. Really good interview from Jeff Reuter. He was yeah. very informative. Yeah, give our boy a follow. Please do that. R-U-E-T-E-R. Jeff Reuter. Again, this is... We're getting USL soccer here in San Diego. He's the only full-time soccer USL reporter in the country, so we appreciate that. Yeah, and we also appreciate our sponsors, 3 Punk Ales in Chula Vista, also to Sport Clips. Darren, I'm excited for you. Barca starting their new chapter with a new manager. We'll see you at Serrano's 12 o'clock on Sunday. See you soon.